0: So reflecting on the way it is, here and now. This, uh, these words, here and now, the way it is, these are, you know, words to pay attention. It means wake up, look, observe. It's not about how things should or shouldn't be, but it's not, uh, in any way, judging or evaluating anything, but this reminder, you know, wake up and see, observe. So the Buddha is, a, means wake up, is a, awakened, individual, human, awakened, not a personality anymore, not a, not a historical figure, um, not a man or a woman, not a rich aristocrat prince or peasant, but this awakened Buddha, the actual word Buddha, awakened, a human being awakened, conscious, awakened to Dhamma, the way it is. So this word awakened is a uh, you know, mindfulness here and now it's not about doing something now to awaken in the future. You see, this whole, this uh, time sequence, this belief in time as reality is, is one of the, you know, it's what our culture is committed to, time, past, present, future, in a personal way. You know, so you we all have our histories, <clears throat> our biographies, you know, our memories, ancestral identities and uh, on and on like that. So we, we believe in history as reality, time as reality, the self as reality. When the lay people talk about the real world, what, is, what, is the, what do they mean by the real world? You know, they say, this is the real world, you've got to live in the real world. What is the real world? <laughs> and so there's a way of questioning, you know, of of contemplating, of reflecting on just the uh, concepts we, you know, we take for granted the sense of ourself, the personality, the sense of I'm this person, this body, is, you know, taken for granted. It's the real world from an ignorant, from the Avicca level, isn't it? And so the awakened, it's Buddha awakened, wake up, and an encouragement, an invitation. So, you know, the Buddha's essential teaching is wake up and see. Wake up and then we see Dhamma when there's awakeness, wisdom, then we see things in terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of personality, cultural biases, views, opinions, thoughts, ideas, habits. So this relationship Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha (coughs) is not, is not to, you know, is not meant to kind of be taken in a, in a personal way. When we start, you know, attaching to the ideas of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, then it, then even the, the best teachings, the profundity of the Buddhist teachings is used as an identity rather than as a skillful means for reflection, awareness, and awakened to Dhamma, seeing seeing the conditioned realm, knowing the unconditioned, discerning, Dhamma is reality. Dhamma is real. And the other is illusion. You know, the personality, that's an illusion. Cultural identities, views, opinions, they're empty phenomena. Phenomena that has no no solidity, no essence, no substance, just uh, the condition that arises and ceases. Birth and death. So when we give so much importance to ourself, you know, the self-view, you know, then we, you know, we're not awakened, we're... Really operating from the force of habit, from ignorance, <clears throat> from cultural values, conditioned attitudes, social identities. When all these are, you know, what are we attached to and how we, we it, interpret our life experience, then it's always, we're living in the realm of illusion. That's why it always takes us to Grief to sorrow, despair, anguish, disappointment, dukkha. So like in the Paticca Samuppada, dependent origination, avicca, that's, starts with avicca, bhajaya, Sankhara, Sankhara, bhajaya, vijnana. So Avicca, not knowing Dhamma, in other words, Avicca doesn't mean, you know, like illiteracy or anything. It means not knowing, not having awakened to reality, then all our attempts to practice meditation, uh, being Buddhist and with all our good intentions and so forth, if it's still, if Avicca is still the uh, modus operandi our basis for practice. What is the result? You know, because avicca, bhajaya sankara, that means One, well, if you operate from that, if you can't see through it, if you have no insight, then then everything that we experience is avicca. It infects, it, it colors, it you know, into every, every sankara. And so consciousness then, we're experiencing consciousness with avicca. Consciousness is not avicca, but it, you know, the avicca then is uh, what infects our consciousness. We perceive, we create, we we desire, we attach, we react out of Avijja. Then the, the consciousness is then. That's what is reflected in the consciousness that we're experiencing. We're seeing everything through distortions, <clears throat> through conditioned phenomena, through the self-view, through cultural biases, attitudes, prejudices, identities. Uh, Saying just. Reflecting on this, how avicha, bhajya, sangha, sangha, bhajya, vijnana, vijnana, bhajya, nama rupa, salayatana, pasa dana, ubatana, jati jaramarana, the whole process goes through that, from ignorance to suffering. Like, like in the second and third noble truths, the, what is the insights? Letting go and realizing, non-attachment. Third noble truth is the recognition, the reality of non-attachment. And uh, second noble truth is the letting go of conditioned phenomena. Third noble truth, the reality of non-attachment. So in the Paticca Samupada, the, uh, the Bhatiloma, the, the the first one anyway, I forget which, which, uh, Avvicha that, that always is this, that pointing to the, the investigating the second noble truth, the causes of suffering. Ignorance is the, is the cause really. But it's attached, and then that ignorance means that we attach to dana, pasa, vedana, dana, ubata, that sequence, so that like pasa is impingement. We're living in, in a conditioned realm. We're experiencing conditioned phenomena. The human body, the, the uh, memories, thoughts, feelings, uh, vedana, Sanya sankara, Rupa Vedana Sanya is like this. So our consciousness is is always distorted through this avicha, you know, where we're experiencing uh, this, uh, we operate from the basic delusion of a self, sakaya ditti. <clears throat> then it, through investigating that, one begins to see, you know, that. Attachment to desire, dana ubadana. So the sec- second noble truth is the, the three kinds of desires, gamadana, bawadana, vipavadana. The causes, the origin of dukkha, is not dana. It's ignorance and attachment to dana. So this. It's not a kind of annihilation of dhanha, but a recognition of it. So it gives you these three categories to, as skillful ways of reflecting on sensual desire, gamadana, dhanha, bhava Desire, bhava dhanha is like ambition, or desire to become, or become enlightened, or, you know, it can be very altruistic desires to help all sentient beings to attain the Buddhahood or whatever. Bhava Dhanha isn't necessarily, you know, bad or unwholesome, but it is desire, Dhanha, that comes out of ignorance of each And then the Wipava desire to destroy annihilate, get rid of, suppress, run away from avoid so this is like in the second noble truth there's this, this reflection on gamma is like this it's not not to you know if the self view might say we've got to get rid of I've got to get rid of desires and that's sakya again it's not about getting rid of but recognizing, awakening. And then the second noble truth pointing to desire, Danha, is like this. If you notice desire, being aware of desire, it's always, you know, it's, it's trying to get something or get rid of something. It's not a permanent state. It's not ultimate reality. But that which is aware of desire is non-desire. You know, one desire can't, can't see another desire, doesn't know, you know, gamma danha can see, uh, can't see itself, nor can it see vipava danha nor bhava-dhanha. But that which is aware, you know, this sati awakened consciousness, reflecting on dhamma, then danha is gamadhanas like this, bhavadana, this, this, you know, I would, used to reflect on on my uh, wanting to attain, wanting to become, or about vipavadana, the desire to get rid of my defilements, get rid of my anger and fears well this reflective ability then it, we you know duha is not ultimate reality, so it's it's observing we observe dunha duha is an is an object in consciousness you can't observe duha if you're unconscious, <laughs> but because there is consciousness aligned with wisdom banya discernment, and then the second noble truth his is emphasis on the causes the origins of suffering ignorance avicca, and then uh, and then the uh, desire that that comes out of avijja and the way we attach to the desire and that takes us to rebirth becoming, rebirth, and then the grief, sorrow, despair, anguish, suffering. Then the third noble truth, having let go of desire, so the second noble truth is pointing the causes, what to do about the cause, let go, Letting go is not annihilation, not rejection, out of aversion. It's just recognizing the suffering of attachment to desires. Like this, it's not a a, a, a kind of destruction of desires. It's non-attachment to it. Letting letting desire be what it is. Letting go of it, and then the, then the recognition. Letting go has has been accomplished. So there's three aspects to the second noble truth, the statement, what to do about it, let go of the causes, and the result of letting go, which leads to Nirvana or the third noble truth, the cessation of suffering, the end, the absence. So that's discernment, isn't it, to discern non-suffering non-attachment. Now that, how do you observe that as a person? You know, you can't, you know, it's a pers- the personality uh, uh, is, is an illusion, so it's not a personal thing that, that I've, you know, observing the end of suffering. It's, that's maybe a way of talking, but it's not very accurate and it can be very deluding. So all this is done, you know, done here now, Pachyubhana Dhamma, awakenedness is like this. Mindfulness. And then that reflective <coughs> pattern, you know, like the Four Noble Truths, that's, you know, there are three aspects to each truth, is, is a pattern, is a paradigm of reflective investigation isn't it? It's it's not doctrinal attachments or operating from believing in Four Noble Truths, but it's like the first first aspect is the statement, you know, the classical statement there is, the second is what to do about it, the third is the result of having done that, of practice. Bariyati, Bati, Bati, bati veti, the, in the Pali words. bariyata is the study of scripture, the statement, Bati-bati is the practice, putting it into practice, and bati wait is the result of the practice. And so this is an intuitive sense. It's not a. It's not conceptual anymore. It's beyond conceiving. It's not not, uh, language is no longer uh, you know, something that we operate from as an attachment out of ignorance. So the language we you know, can be used as a skillful means like here and now the way it is. Now this is, you know, to keep, keep you know, this takes you know, determination to keep reminding oneself of this, because the emotional world around us is so powerful, so threatening, so intimidating. <clears throat> Our own emotions, the emotions of others, you know, we're so, we're, you know, we're so sensitive. These, this realm is a sense realm, the sensitive realm, the human form is a sensitive form. And so we're constantly being impinged on and intimidated and deluded and whirled about by feelings, by propaganda, by various views from others, by authorities, by uh, the, the, the paranoia of the age, you know, terrorists and access of evil and all the threatening conditions that that are, you know, believed in and and reinforced as as reality in our society. You know, so that we we live in a in a realm of fear, paranoia, anxiety and our culture promotes it, you know, believes in it completely. Like Britain, the new government, the Tory government, is trying to economize, pay off the debts, and how many, much of the military can we can we uh, get rid of at this time? You know, and there's so many arguments, strong feelings about we've got to maintain this, all these all these weapons and aircraft carriers and airplanes and everything because you don't know and. When the next attack will be, who will who will come in and invade, or or saboteurs, or blow up London? <clears throat> so this is uh, this uh, now. This is, these are the intimidating, frightening messages that's common to the society everywhere at this time, not just Britain. But that does affect one, doesn't it? This kind of fear of death, of loss and that the the idea of power of we've got to have destructive weapons to have peace, we've got to scare everybody into being peaceful. So it's not a a time of wisdom or insight, understanding on that level of say, uh, international world views. but individually we can't, we don't have much influence on that level, but say here and now at this moment this is what we can actually do and know. This is, you know, it's not a matter of of, of saving the world anymore or some personal uh, plan to to make it straighten everybody out and make everything fair and just but what we can do is is uh, get it right in ourselves and so this retreat you know, the emphasis is on not on on trying to save the world or the sangha or anything else but or amurvati well, we're not you know this is not a mission it's not a you know we're not here to to uh, hold on to the conditions, but to use them for investigation, understanding, liberation. So, you know, the, this, uh, this is, that's why I keep trying to remind myself and the rest of you what the point of this life is. You know, what are you here for? Uh, you know, what is it? Just another condition you're you're identifying with? <clears throat> Becoming Buddhist monks, Buddhist nuns, Buddhist lay people, or Theravadins to bring Buddhism into Europe to spread the word. I mean, this can be very kind of good intentions, you know, because, see, we, you know, on a personal level, I really like Buddhism. I like all forms of Buddhism. I find Buddhist icons beautiful. I like Buddhist countries. Buddhism really appeals to me, almost every aspect of it, personally. that's (laughs) So, so it's, uh, you know, as a philosophy, as a religion, as a psychology, as a science, I think it's just great, you know. So that's, that's uh, you know, then I could operate from from my kind of love of this condition, this convention, and try to convert everybody to to think like I do, to see it in the way I see it. Uh, I can put down all other religions you know to say well you know they're they're not quite as good as ours, and we 're the best, but all that still is you know the even the grasping of a beautiful convention is still a vita you know that <clears throat> so what good is a monastery if it 's just if it's just perpetuating a vita, maybe in a nice form. You know, is that what the Buddha intended? So, you know, the, the, the uh, this Bhatibhatta, Lung Phan Chow was always using that word. Bhatibhat in Thai, they take me this practice, put it into practice. Not just grasp the, the conventions or reject them, but be aware. You know, sometimes one, in any convention, it has its flaws and things that may, personally, we don't particularly like about it. You know, we, so we, we can become critical of Theravada Buddhism, we can be critical of the Thai first tradition. Uh, you know, there's things that, that we may not particularly like or think necessary. Because it is a convention. And you know, also it it's not, you know, in itself, it's not perfect. But it is expedient. It's an expedient means to use for awakened, and in that way it is perfect, it works. You know, it's not just a, you know, pie in the sky uh, kind of wishful thinking. If, if you really put it to practice, bhati-bhata, and then, it, then the result, it, it's a, an effective tool. <coughs> I see it as a precision instrument. You know, the way that, you know, the like, way I've been pointing to these three fetters, you know, this really uproots, extirpate avita If you really, you know, if you can really use that, uh, like Sakya Ditti, Silabhatta, Barama, Savicita. So all the, you know, the, the attitude of self, you know, the sakya dhiti. That's all identity, isn't it? Attachment to, to one's position, seniority, whether you're a monk or a nun, sila bhikkhu, samanera, anagarika and so forth. All that is, is uh, sakya dhiti attachment to it. And then the attachment results in in uh suffering. You know, the gender identities, the the position, the structure. Uh, all this when we when we uh, operate from Sakya ditti, then of course we have reactions, emotional reactions, and and we're not observing them, we're merely you know, caught into our emotional reactions. So that's why, in this, uh, you know, the emphasis on this recognizing pure awakened consciousness, you know, this, this mindfulness, this empty attentiveness, sound of silence, or this just poised attention before you become Anything at all, before thought arises, before, uh, you know, it's the background behind emotions or memories or thoughts, grasping of any sort or all forms of desire. So what is that? You know, is that, is that just another, am I just, you know, putting words together again or is this what is mindfulness then? What's the point of mindfulness if it's just just another condition out of ignorance? So mindfulness then is, is the, the gift we have of not just mindful of an object anymore, but of this moment. So mindfulness in this sense, we're not just focusing on on one thing or a a condition, but on the moment, here and now. This poised, open attention is like this. It's inclusive, it's not exclusive. And that is reality. It's real. Then uh, from that, then the sakyaditi can be, is an object. One can observe it. There's an observing of of, of uh, the personality, of the ego, of my identities. It's, you know, I'm senior monk or whatever. All these things are observed as, you know, objects in consciousness rather than uh, positions to take and, and operate from. Their conventions, they have their point, their purpose, On a practical level but as attachments out of ignorance they lead to suffering. Now being senior monk if that's an identity that I'm attached to and operate from then then being the senior monk is a lot of suffering. Being the abbot of Amravati can be a lot of suffering. If grasped as an identity, but as merely a convention, samuti satya, you know, conventional reality, it, fair enough, it's all right. It, it's a function rather than a permanent personal identity. Being male or female is identity with the uh, body that, that one, I, you know, the, the the fixed identity that we have through identifying with the gender of our bodies. That's a, you know, that's a convention. That's not ultimately, ultimate reality. So you have a male body, then you, you know, you operate, I'm a man, female body operate from, I'm a woman. And then there's people that aren't quite sure, even though they have male body, they say they're internally, they're a woman. And I suppose the other women who think they're men. Now these are, you know, these contemplate masculinity, femininity. These are indriyas to be observed. These are conditions, they have no permanency. They're not liberating if attached to, but they have their karma. Like a male body, you know, is like this. Female body, I don't know what that's like because my body's a male body, <laughs> but uh, it has its own energies, tendencies, and that knowing of that. You see, that's wisdom discernment, which transcends gender and the physical identities. Young or old, in a, I'm an old man, 76. And then on my birthday I said, I don't want anybody to tell me how young I am because I really don't like being told when I'm old that I'm young. (laughs) I think it's disgusting how in this society, old people love to be flattered by telling them how young they look. You know, this is, let's face it, this body's old, 76 is, is, you know, my perception of old age is this. It's like this. So then identify, I'm an old man. Or is that merely conventional reality? You know, that's the the body, it's 76 years old. Some people consider it still, you know, not too old. Uh, Are they around, you know, they they say, well, you're still young at heart. (laughs) (laughs) These are all, you know, to create the, you know, these are sakya ways of making a, you know, for reinforcing this sense of we're the body, I'm, you're the, this body. <clears throat> so there's, you know, the bodies are, they tall or short, fat, thin, different, you know, different races, black and whites, and on and on like that, and then we identify. And when we identify, what happens? You know, we have our own cultural reac- reactions to race, to ethnic identities, class. We're all helpless victims of these conditions. If, we, if we're unawakened. And with our sense of ourself in this limited ego, this this uh, conditioned sense of, of being this kind of person or wanting, you know, when we're a person, then we tend to envy or be jealous or arrogant or conceited. I'm better than you are. I'm not as good as you are. or being wealthy is better than being poor having power is better than being powerless and and so like this uh, this conditioned realm is all about uh, discrimination differences isn't it it's, it's the nothing's the same everything is changing moving different So then our relationship to the conditioned realm is is not judging that because that's then we're back into it again, but recognizing it. Knowing. Consciousness then is knowing the way it is. Consciousness aligned with wisdom. So like Lung Portra used to say, you know, to inform your consciousness, form inform consciousness with banya with wisdom rather than with ignorance. When we're informed, when you know when we're, we're we're conditioned out of ignorance, the cultural conditioning, the personal identities, the language. Sakya <laughs> Ditti This is like the whole you know from birth of an infant a baby then it then it's conditioned according to you know the attitudes emotions, feelings of the mother, the father the the ethnic background, the religious identities so in sattispatnya we have. This, this, you know, th- it's through this gate, this, wi- this wisdom gate that we get perspective on a conditioned realm. One condition cannot observe another condition. Because each condition is in itself a, a rising and ceasing, changing. It's a kind of relentless whirlpool of change. So the only possibility of observing change is through mindfulness. Mindfulness of change rather than trying to control. Control change is what we tend to do out of ignorance. Let's control everything to keep it everything, you know, the way I like it, where I feel safe and and uh, I, I don't You know, I have control of the conditions around me and I have this illusion of safety. Or the alms mendicant, what is an alms mendicant but you're putting yourself right on the edge of insecurity. You're dependent, we're all dependent on alms. What kind of safety is that? You know, depending on, you know, just from day to day you know, the bhikkhu can't even kind of hoard up food for the next day. According to the Vinaya, we're not supposed to even, you know, save leftovers and uh, and then have them the next day, which seems practical reasonable thing to do, you know, for a lay person. But this Vinaya puts us right on the edge of survival. It's taking a risk, isn't it? So it's not meant to be secure and safe place and where you can uh, develop your ego and 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 have this illusion of safety around you, but recognize it's, it's always this sense of right on the edge of survival, which we choose to do. You know, nobody forces us. You know, you have to ask three times to, to get in, to get to accept. Not not anyone, it's not like a punishment. Shelter for the night. Rag robes, you know, we're not even supposed to, you know, the Buddha allowed the bhikkhus to gather refuse rags you know, to wear make something, some kind of covering for the body out of out of uh, Bhangzakula cloth, which is a cloth that lay people throw out or you know, they would wrap corpses in, in, the, in India, you know. You could go into a child ground, take the take the ghastly cloth off a corpse and make a robe out of it. I mean, so in terms of that's about as low a standard, isn't it, uh, of uh, apparel as one could imagine, the rejected cloth from the society, we can, we can actually take that, you know, we don't, that which is thrown out. And then the katina ceremonies, like in, next week they start the katina ceremonies, these, this is the tradition of lay people offering cloth to the Sangha. So the Buddha allowed these, you know, these these offerings of cloth. But we're not supposed to go and say, you know, you get me this kind of cloth and I want, you know, uh, the finest uh, silk textile (laughs) and uh, the best, isn't it? It's just, it's the, the generosity of the lay people that make the offering of the, of the Katina robe is a symbol. So the cloth is offered so that, you know, we, we aren't having to uh, go into child grounds and take the cloth off corpses. <coughs> Never had to do that, 44 years. <laughs> well, just notice like these, uh, these Katina ceremonies can become kind of like you know, rites and rituals and, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it can degenerate into sila bhatta So it's, uh, you know, this is where the, the alms mendicancy, the summoner life is like the, the ten, uh, reflections. You know, we are not living according to worldly aims and values. These are reflections of a samana to remind ourselves because we are well supported and, and, and that. So we, it, we, it really, we can really take it for granted. We can, we think we deserve the best. You know, because I'm the senior monk. I'm the most senior monk here so I should get the best. Is What's that? Sakya ditti, isn't it? It's not, you know, impossible because, you know, you, I've devoted 44, 45 years. Uh, you know, I've, everybody would agree with me, probably. But as a position to take, you know, that's not it, is it? That's, that's sakya ditti. That's not what I'm Ordained to to uh, just uh, reinforce some silly illusions about myself through seniority or position. The position we have is merely conventional, not personal. So the identity I encourage you is a summoner, not the Ajahn identity. I'm an Ajan 10 bosses, I'm an Ajan now. That's uh, Sakayaditi, isn't it? it? It can be a form of Sakayaditi or it can expedient convention. So the the Samana identity, alms mendicancy, where you this this uh, brings you to the moment and this sense of a developing uh, where you have this gratitude for what is offered because we're you know the generosity of the lay community is uh, is wonderful it's ongoing but you know it's not to be taken for granted <clears throat> or if we do we then see the suffering of taking taking it for granted so we you know we're, these these conventions are are expedient means to inform ourselves, to remind ourselves what we're, what this life is about, what we're doing, what the point of, of the monastic life is. It's not for spreading Buddhism, or you know, reviving uh, Theravada Buddhism, reviving a bikuni order, bringing uh, dhamma into the society, and and trying to make it all work, you know have a renaissance, Theravada renaissance and that that's altruism. That that's not liberation. And so, you know, the the aim is to, is this sense of it's a humbling thing because you know, we're, we are Beings without security, insecure life, depending on alms. So, what is insecurity? You know, investigate this feeling of insecurity, not uncertainty. Is a is an emotion we none of us like on a personal level. Is it? We don't want. We don't want to feel uncertain, insecure, not knowing. We want the illusion of security, the illusion of knowing. Tell me what to do. Say everything is all right. Uh, Say I'm all right. Smile at me and make me feel good. Everything is okay. Or, you know, in this mindfulness, then we observe this is the way of insecurity. Almsmedicancy is the way of insecurity, not of security. Why did the Buddha establish monastic order on insecurity? And it's not, it's that feeling of not knowing, uncertain, doubt. What's going to happen to me? What happens when we die? When I die, what will happen to me? Am I all right? Am I okay? Am, am I doing practicing in the right way? Tell me, uh, Ardha Tomato, am I practicing in the right Because I feel insecure and I want you to tell me I'm practicing in the right way so I can feel secure. All these are you know, ways of the Sakiditi Thilabata Bharamasa Witchikita, the first three fetters. So like the doubt, Michikita, or the Koan, the way the Zen use these these conundrums, you know, that you know, that just leave your mind insecure. You can't you can't have an intellectual uh, you know, clever, reasonable answer. What's going to happen to me? Like uh, when I retire next month. What, what's going to happen to me? I think. What have you planned, our gentleman? People ask me. What have you, you know, what have you planned for your future? Well, inevitably, plans come up, but the main point is no plan, you know, just walking into the void going forth, that's what Bapacha means, going forth walking into the unknown not into the certain the secure, the nest the, the, the secure home, the safe nest, but into the dark, the unknown which is one of the most terrifying images, isn't it the dark, the unknown, the dark we don't know what's there. So this, the witchy then is is how we you know attaching to to certitudes, to perceptions of you know guarantees of you're all right, everything's okay. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you behave yourself, you get rewarded. Uh, you know, you, the way that, that we use our thinking to, to create illusions of security. Because those illusions, then we, we can kind of temporarily have a sense of everything's all right. But this realm is, its nature is insecure. So awakening to not knowing insecurity, uncertainty is like this. Feeling doubt, uncertain, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going to happen to me is like this. Where do I belong? Am I practicing in the right way or not? Is this, can, can you guarantee that this path will all become enlightened? I want you to tell me, you know, so then I can, then I'll trust you, you know, if you tell me, if you really dedicate your life to monastic form, you'll get enlightened, man on definite. Or... <laughs> Don't know. So Lungpho Chas, my na, you know, don't know, uncertain. Now that is awakening to that. Third noble truth is not knowing anything but knowing not knowing. Emptiness is like this. So that's, you know, this emphasis on Sapay sangkarani cao, this, <coughs> to keep this constant reflection on the, on the uh, changing conditions, rather than trying to find conditions that you can feel, uh, will you can sustain and keep and trust, you know, that make them, you find the right place, you'll be in the right, have the right teacher, You'll have all the right conditions, so everything will be all right. You know, there's a, if everything is all right, then I'll be, feel all right. Everything is okay. Then I'll feel okay. Tell me everything is okay, even if it's not, because I, that makes me feel better than when you tell me it's not okay. So, you know, observing this in oneself, how like the sakyaditi uh, that I see in myself. I'm speaking from experience or investigating my own kind of personality tendencies. It's non-critical, it's just observing, it's like this. Because this I can do, this I can witness to, you know, what you're feeling at this moment, I don't know you think or feel the same way I do. You know, that's not the point, is it? Because this knowing, this awareness, sati sampanna, satipanya, then is, knowing all conditions are impermanent and not self, so it's not a matter of, of uh, you know, what you feel and what I feel. It's the knowing of feeling is like this. Feeling is a condition changing. Like this, Anita. So I, you know, really encourage this, you know, to keep keep this perspective of liberation. It's like you know, the house is on fire. Find the exit. Rather than think about redecorating the house, it's going to burn down anyway <laughs> and uh, it is an old house. so I mean it you know this is a point of this life that I you know what I'm trying to uh, to point to all the time is this this life isn't about playing games with monasticism or more, you know, altruistic uh, ideas about spreading the word. But it's trying to, trying to make available a skillful means for those that, that can recognize it to use for liberation. And then the rest will take care of itself. You know, what good is a bunch of Samanas that are still Ignorant. You know, and, and, you know, we have monastery and we all operating from Sakya, Ditti, Sila, Bhattabara, It's a kind of a waste of time, isn't it? It's pointless. Just another, you know, condition that deluding itself. Because the point of this, this, uh, tradition is liberation. The goal is pointing very directly at the Amata Dhamma. and reality, not it, at itself or an ideal form of Buddhism, or trying to generate, uh, you know, past, you know, what we remember from the past, trying to recreate it in the, in the present or the future, it's more immediate than that. So, and you know, you you might sense a, a certain quality of exasperation in me sometimes. <laughs> because, because <laughs> you know, I, I feel I'm being as direct as I can be and what is the purpose of this life? You know, what is its aim? and. Uh, and, and just keep, you know, pointing. That's all I can do. I can't make anybody do it. But I can remind. So this retreat is like a reminder, you know, of, you know, to not not be, uh, to really know the self. You have to know sakyaditi. You know, you know what it is in all its various permutations and aspects that it changes, its refinement, its coarseness, whatever, its subtleties, <clears throat> and, the, and then the Thilipata the the conventional realm, the society, the, the culture, the identities of the culture with the uh, assumptions we have that from our own cultural conditioning. The assumptions we have from our identity with being male or female, there's a lot of assumptions from that identity you know about oneself as a as a man or a woman. a lot of assumptions, cultural assumptions that come from grasping that identity and then we have men have assumptions about women, and women have assumptions about men and we all have, you know, ideals of how things should be. Now none of this is wrong, but it is you know, it's conditioned phenomena and that which is aware of conditions is the unconditioned. Or the Theravada Buddhism, the assumptions we have from Theravada, or whatever, you know, we have you know, Theravada people can scholars and that uh, can be really opinionated. Strong views about what the Buddha really taught and about, you know the, when we translate Pali or study Pali from Sakyaditi, what happens? From Silabhata baramasa When we study Theravada Buddhism and Pali tradition out of ignorance of this, you know, out of avijja from the personal view, from a, from a European conditioned mind, you know, what do we get from it, you know, in terms of translating Pali terms from a European cultural background? So we have, we can form strong, you know, you can interpret it in all kinds of different ways. But if you really, you know, get to the source, like this is what, what Lung Phu Cha was doing in Thailand. He was getting right to the source, not into, you know, all the problems of Thai Buddhism. We have the kai Mahanikai, uh, jealousies and competitions and and various uh, strong views about what Buddhism is, or what the Buddha really taught, or how to practice, and how samatha, Vipassana, and so forth, you can get into really bitter arguments and, and hateful, revengeful actions through attachment to a view about Theravada Buddhism, Thai Buddhism. So it's not so. Recognize that the Bariyati Dhamma is, you know, is more like a reminder. You know, the the scriptural teaching is, is you know, it's it's a it's a great gift we have that. But the importance of it, like Lung Po Chaw was always stressing, Bhati Bhata, practice it. Don't just go around talking about Four Nobles Truths and Patita Samuppada and all the rest out of uh, views about it that you've acquired from reading but the point is to to make it work it's practical it's not it's not theoretical or you know about it's not kind of refined high-minded ideas of how things should be